So to pick up on the theme of upadana, uh, clinging, and stickiness. Just to say, remember it's uh, not um, useful to to conceive that I cling. Uh, to there is clinging. Mm. So it's, uh, be, if you conceive I cling to this, that and the other, then you get into a, a nihilationist point of view, a nihilist, like cut that off, stop that, don't have that. And what is left is still the basis of clinging, which is the I am sense. So then one clings to a view. One clings to a view that one shouldn't cling and that one's sense of self is based upon the idea of I will be somebody who doesn't cling. And this is massive wrong view, since it's the I am that's the core of the problem. So when the Buddha taught the first noble truth, he talked about the obvious uh, experiences that arise for this citta, birth, coming into birth, aging, sickness, death, and so forth, separation from the loved, association with the disliked. That's the you know, potential qualities of the present and not attaining one's wishes, the, the potential qualities of the future, which we seem very much bound to. And then in brief, the five aggregates are affected by clinging, upadana kanda. This is the basis. When this basis uh, is is uh, not penetrated, not understood, not uh, looked into and released through insight, wisdom, then this basis pertains, and based upon this foundation, I am this form. I occupy this form. These feelings I have. The, these feelings occur to me. These are my perceptions. The way I interpret things, I am associated with these. Um, these are my inclinations and volitions and choices and resistances and uh, and I am these. I identify with these. I am this consciousness that sees and hears and touches and thinks and so on. I am in this. I am the agent of this or the recipient of this. When this basis is not understood, then it sets up the experience of the separate identity within a field of effects, within a field of things that affect it. Sights, sounds, touches, uh, interpretations, uh, possibilities, mm, uh, other forms. Set, Set up within such a context, experiences this waves of desire, clinging, or um, craving, which is the craving to bond to other forms. Uh, Bond to pleasant feeling, to bond to agreeable perceptions and inclinations, to bond to agreeable range of consciousness, and to resist and get away from the disagreeable. So, infected, affected by these washes, it suffers, since uh, it is not possible to
to get away from the disagreeable or that which was or to constantly hold on to the agreeable on any level such a thing cannot occur Mm. mostly because even the very nature of these things is though we may crave for permanent pleasure you realize a permanent pleasure wouldn't be pleasant for very long (laughs) it would become tedious and then well, can we get a change? <laughs> you know, the very nature of these these qualities that we are uh, in contact with that seem to move through us is they are innately uh, transient, innately unsatisfying, inconclusive. They don't uh, sustain their qualities. They, pleasure does not sustain uh, itself. Um, choices that seem fruitful do not sustain that quality they they, they shift and change they go fast and slow we get rushes and surges and those occur and quieter, slower inclinations and resistances, rock solid minor so these qualities like the very nature of sense consciousness themselves are innately fluctuating and when we seek permanence what we imagine we seek is a set of favorable uh, setups in these actually having things go go my way <coughs> constantly an agreeable set of circumstances everything going exactly the way I like it and you can, if you could even conceive of such a thing can you imagine what would happen you go crazy like <laughs> like because you, you, you wouldn't be able to register anything. If you know the fluctuation is what enables things to be sensed. The very nature of fluctuation that gives rise to the sense of contact. If it's the same, you don't, you know, you don't get the same contact impression. If you get that, like once you're warm enough, you don't go on feeling warm enough. You just slot up. Your mind moves to something else. When things are going your way, you don't notice things are going your way. You notice maybe the things that aren't going your way. Mm-hmm. So the very nature of, of being sensitive to something is you're sensitive to its the way it differs in its fluctuations is what enables one's mind to pick it up in the first place, to apprehend it. So that's why the only constant unchanging quality in Ibana is very difficult to perceive, in fact imperceptible because there's no nothing to register there there's no contact impression it's where contact ceases how do you know you have it? well because contact ceases and there's knowing that and that's all one well one could say lots of other enigmatic things about Ibana but uh it's, it's what isn't there that uh, what occurs as one citta is in touch with what isn't there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so just notice this because we experienced some of this also. You know. Noticing what isn't there, noticing the disagreeable isn't there, noticing the absence of things as well as the presence of things. 
Because, of course, though there may be, in some respects, an absence, we don't notice it's not there because our minds fill up with other, day, with other things. The absence of traffic, the absence of, you know, sounds and sights that we don't notice because our jitta fills up with other topics that it becomes uh, sometimes flooded by or tinkering with or engaged with. These five aggregates mm, then have a sticky quality to them. Is that uh, they almost attract data. When the sticky quality is present, it attracts data. So a sticky consciousness will attract. If you can't find anything to see, you'll find something to think. Uh, and so this one is always available. The, the, so the sign of non-manifestation is not it made not apparent. Nibbana, the unconditioned, is, is obscured by the stickiness that's there that draws things, qualities to it, draws in, searches for you know, something to, to get activated by. It's thirsty for activation, for sankharas, for something to be judging itself with or orienting around or defining itself as or as ref- defining itself as not or you know sometimes it's scary when there's nothing to worry about thinking I must have forgotten something <laughs> you know depending on the nature of one's one's uh, uh, sankharas these volitional tendencies you know, we can get very busy and then when it, we're not busy we start feeling a bit funny because there's nothing much to do because the, the activation of Sankara program to be active is still sticky and still drawing things to it. Mm. This is the sticky quality of these aggregates. They're sticky and they get stuck too. And though we can have issues around the various phenomena that uh, that we seem to experience in terms of sights and mental habits and um, desires and wishes and uh, sights and sounds and mm, people and temperature and busyness and non-busyness we can make issues out of those and yeah there's something to be dealt with in that level something to be dealt with some calming some amelioration some way in which one can properly respond to this field of phenomena that are arising. There's some calming to be done, some soothing to be done, some clarifying to be done, some strengthening to be done, some loving acceptance and patient forbearance and compassionate attitude and appreciative joy. And equanimity has to be cultivated in this field of effects that occur. But also, there's a subject to whom it occurs. Now, when, as one begins to be more um, attuned to this, um, to what arises, we might say, uh, fundamentally, we seem to arise within a, a, a potential, a field of potentials. This is called the field of karma. Inherited potentials and potentials that get acted upon. Mm field of karma, consciousness arising in the field of karma. 
Mm. It's a field. Mm. And this field contains or uh, presents data that then uh, get acted upon, engaged with. This field of comma presents particular data. And it presents the data to citta, to the heart, mind, the awareness that is based in this field of comma. If we look at it very, very specifically, we might say that there is birth. One arises and one experiences a sense of being an entity in a field of, of sights and sounds that, well, look, well, this is happening to me. Sights and sounds are happening to me. You know, feelings are happening to me. Pleasant feelings, unpleasant feelings are happening to me. You see how much babies are crying and screaming because they're trying to, this suddenly this experience of being beset by all this. <laughs> What's going on? And the, the me in it is trying to get some sense of how do I orient around all this stuff? And then, well, there is mother, there is father, you know, and then there's a big orientation around that. And that's mine. And they, they love me or they don't love me or whatever. That becomes very formative as a, you know, as a, the me sense forms. I have an identity. I've got a body. And after a while you discover it's a male body or a female body. You didn't decide you were going to have one. There it is. And after a while you discover that. It takes a little time before you think, oh, this is called a male body. Oh, I must be a boy or a girl. Right. <laughs> Deal with that. And then the, you notice, well, there are other people who are called girls and boys, you know. So the whole differentiation field starts happening. And a certain you know, qualities that may also uh, be internalized in terms of femininity or masculinity, uh, energies, hormonal things, and so forth. And then you may find you have a a male body but a female disposition, or vice versa. It's not everybody's dispositions line up to what their bodies are doing. And so this vast world of differentiation begins to open up just around birth just about getting into this thing, yeah? Uh, and you didn't, dis- you didn't decide. <laughs> you just, so the feeling, well, and this is what happening to me. And because it's been not decided, not chosen, I think, well, that's me, must be, that must be the base. Because it wasn't something I added, I didn't decide I'm gonna be a, a girl or a boy or whatever. Uh, so, because I didn't decide it and determine it, it must be what I am. That, that's, the, that's the base, that's the norm around which one then has to orient a life. Because along with the me sense, which is that which arises or lands or is received, there's also a potential to choose, called an I sense. I do, I act. So around particular activities, the eye sense arises. So there are responses and reactions. And some of them deliberated, some of them reflexive. And around that experience of volition uh, and response, because that becomes a strong orientation, since what this volition does, where it goes, will definitely 
affect or is intended to affect what's going to happen. So that volition reaches out for nourishment so that there will be a a pleasant, nourished feeling for me. That tendency reaches out for friendship or warmth so there will be that freedom from uh, hostility for me. So this eye sense is also pretty crucial. So an important one to have. So that must be what I am too. You know, to, you know, so this becomes a, a, the orienting device of our chitta becomes called I, and that which is receives the effects is called me, and these two work together. Of course, they're not they're not constant. You know, sometimes I want this, sometimes I want that. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I fail, sometimes I make mistakes, sometimes I don't know what to do. So the qualities of those I senses and the qualities of the me sense are definitely changing. And yet, the fact that they occur doesn't change. So that must be what I am. Uh, this is myself. But then when we start to get into any details of what that could be, well, sometimes I'm this, sometimes I'm that, sometimes I'm this, sometimes I'm that, sometimes I want this, they're not good at it. I don't know what I am, but I am. This is citta. These are all pointing to this locational experience within the field of karma. Locational center within the field of karma. Right? It's located in that things seem to land on it. It's located in that certain effects seem to stream from it. And at location, because that location experience is such a constant, we call that location myself. That's the boundary. That's who I am within that boundary. Mm. So on that basis then, naturally, the message, the program is try to get this myself as comfortable, effective, free from hostility, uh, you know, as possible. Based upon this me, I. Really, essentially, based upon volition. That's the I. And perception. That which touches me. Perception and feeling. Right? Perception and feeling. These, the Buddha saying, well, actually, these are call these two features aggregates not self but aggregates perception is an aggregate that which lands on me touches me feeling is an aggregate that which affects me and moves me and volition that which I get directed towards consciously casually through ill will through loving kindness something rushes out something moves out that's called sankara, activations, formations. So rather, just to actually say more clearly what it is, not because you can't try to really establish a me around that as a constant quality. You can establish, yes, you can definitely say there's the sense of me, but if you begin to uh, look into that, what you'll notice I'd imagine is a sort of a certain 
welling up of being affected. Uh, or you might feel the welling up of certain urges, interests, inclinations, fruitful, tentative, strong, sankara, good, skillful, wholesome, unskillful. That's actually what's being experienced, isn't it? So much so that within that, through, through that, that medium, there's a certain, we say potentially, we, we, are, we are experiencing these sense data through the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body and the mind. But in actuality, these are highly selected by this me-I self-system. We see partially, fragmentary. We see what our attention is inclined to see. Mm. We hear partially. Our attention is a very limited focus within a wider field. We think a tiny fragment of what's conceivable. You couldn't think of all the conceivables. Your brain would blow out, I'm sure. But we think at any particular moment, just a tiny, tiny sliver of the potentials within this consciousness, within the consciousness called the consciousness element, the property of consciousness. And something selects that quality of attention, intention selects from that based upon the inclination, what will be agreeable, important, useful, urgent, desirable, you know, for me. Not in a crude way, but what will make, you know, what will be for my welfare, uh, uh, what will give me a more helpful relationship with other people. This is not necessarily grasping in a, in a coarse way, but that's what we, that's what it mediates through. And one is very recommended at this level to certainly have what is called uh, accomplishment regarding self. And the Buddha didn't deny self categorically, but he said, you know, that one should, uh, one should accom- be accomplished in terms of self. That is, to really direct yourself, your I am, to what's going to be most long-term benefit yeah, and welfare. And you're going to find that this is not going to be through grabbing and manipulating and forcing and dominating. This is going to come through cooperation and kindness and letting go and respect. And re- these, are, these are things. Definitely. You're going to feel more comfortable and, and at ease in your heart. Because we always exist within a field. So our skill of self is to orient within the field, not to pretend that the field doesn't exist or that the field can be dominated by this this system. (laughs) That the I I am, which is a result uh, within this field, which is a kind of potential in this field, could actually swamp and dominate everything else within every other form of data that arises within the field of consciousness. So let me not see the unpleasant, let me not hear the disagreeable, let me not meet 
the 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 frightening. Uh, let me not know about the disagreeable. Let me not hear about the tragic. Let me only know and hear the comfortable, the pleasant, the agreeable, and so forth. This is not going to happen for anyone with wisdom. Mm. You're going to live for that. So then, to meet that is the accomplishment. To meet the disagreeable, the threatening, the unloved, as well as, of course, the agreeable and the beautiful. To meet that with a mind that is occupied, inclined towards compassion, generosity, sharing, relinquishment, uh, truthfulness, and so forth. This is definitely, this is how one is accomplished in terms of self. One's trajectory is of that nature. And then what the result of that is that the sense of me that arises feels more self-respect, less frightened, less harried, feels replenished with fruitful factors such as mindfulness, such as diligence, such as generosity, such as loving-kindness. It becomes replete with those factors. In truth, what's occurring is the jitta is becoming replete uh, rich and nourished mm. and its aims its karma is becoming good skillful praised delighted in to be recommended so this is then this is our our basis of practice not to eliminate self but to to understand what makes it up and to you know perception feeling and volition and the primacy of volition, of intention. Mm. And keep putting out the patience, keep putting out the courage, keep putting out the relinquishment, keep putting out the morality, keep putting out the loving kindness, just whether it be, you know, whenever it seems to have effect in the, in the short term, you keep putting it out, your chitta is going to unify in those patterns and the, the result of that will be your, your, there will be a sense of me will be free from regret, free from furtiveness free from, you know, the the, uh, distress that we generate through not understanding this. This is an important principle, that one trains in these aggregates. At least they're sticking and adhering to the good rather than directly toxic. But, as I said, there is a further. Having, when that is accomplished, you know, to an adequate degree, when the I am is steady, unhelpful patterns are eliminated, then with insight one recognizes this is Sankara, this is Sanya, it's like this, and there is a possible further deliverance. What is this? Essentially, deep meditation is a big part of that because on this we begin to experience directly in ourselves, in our chittas, in our hearts, in our awareness, in our 
imminent present experience, we begin to experience this very experience of form, which seems so irresolutely. I am a male body with two legs, two arms, a head and ears and stuff like that. Meditation, well, it starts to dissolve. Not really, definitely male doesn't last very long. Um, then as you cultivate the mindfulness of breathing and the somatic field, body, arms and legs doesn't really pertain anymore. It's just a sense of field of embodied presence. Well, what happened to that? You know, was it through aversion to being having a body or to being a male or desperately trying to make sure that you were kind of both male and female and neither? So you've got all the options covered? No, it came through directly apprehending the unifying quality within this separative, diversive form, the nature of form, which is, crudely speaking, you know, male, female, this height, so forth. But then everybody's different. So this is where the differentiations occur and the comparisons and the better, superior, worse, so forth. There cannot be a harmonious abiding in such an entity. You cannot be a harmonious abiding as a male or a female or mixed gender or undecided. You cannot have a harmonious abiding in that. The nature of form is not harmonious abiding because it always finds differences with other forms and therefore there's going to be comparison and contrast and all that and proliferation. But without denying that aspect of form, we'll go to the unifying principle of it. There is breathing. There is rising, passing of breathing. There is energy streaming through. Why don't I focus on this, which is comfortable? Doesn't need to be chosen, selected, affirmed or denied. It speaks for itself. And it's the most important feature of being a body is having this stuff. Otherwise, end game. Focus on this and it's pleasant. Why don't I abide in this? Relinquish the differentiations that are no longer needed. Wow. Nice, huh? Now we may think it's kind of interesting party trick. <laughs> Lo and behold, I'm not here anymore. <laughs> and yes, it, is, it can be very pleasant and restful. But of course, we have to return again to this appearance of differentiation. Mm. with a mind that doesn't adhere to that saying this is differentiation so mm. doesn't really want to identify with it compare it with which other which others were like it or wish they weren't like it or say anything it's just this is differentiation differentiation is the norm So with one sees form with dispassion. It's not fascinated, it's not repelled, it's not making issue around. Sees it with dispassion uh, and recognizes that you know all chitters benefit from respect and kindness and need to find themselves. So yeah. Just to practicing this even with form, you see certain qualities of sankara are soothed, stilled, 
with the stilling of sankhara, there is a sense of detachment. With detachment comes dispassion. With dispassion ripening cessation of position taking, of polarization. With cessation of that, there's a relinquishment. This is conducive to the Nibbana quality, the Nibbana property. This is sublime, this is peaceful, the stilling of sankharas, the relinquishment of acquisitions, relinquishment of the old footprint identity, relinquishment of that, dispassion, detachment, cessation, nibbana. This is the refrain that is is brought up time and time again, turning away from the differentiation of the aggregates. One is no longer interested in them, no longer taking a stand upon them. This is mine, this is me, this is myself. This is not mine, this is somebody else, this is themselves. We turn away from those inclinations and just recognize directly as it is. The arising of the aggregates, some seem to be you, some seem to be me, in the field of karma, stilling of the sankhara, relinquishment of acquisitions of the footprint. Now just on the level of form, we you know, rise in a field of forms. Don't we? There's this form here, I call me, and then there's forms around me, which I call, well, okay, other people. Also trees, cars, and so forth. Naturally, in that field of form, one selects. One doesn't really make an issue out of rabbits, turkeys, flowers, uh, trees. But certainly the forms of other people are much more triggering, aren't they? Notice how form itself is selective, what, what consciousness picks up. Yeah. What it actually gets activated by. And it's going to be the forms of other people. This is the karmic disposition. Mm. And then also consider, particularly when you're practicing together, you know, it's a very different thing when there's just on your own one person. That's different from the group. When there's one person, there's a sense of, okay, I can talk to her, work things out. When there's the group, suddenly it's, there's 25, there's 30 others. I'm surrounded. <laughs> there's two elements in this room, me and everybody else. Now everybody else is much bigger than the me. And so I've got to either do a lot of work making peace with everybody else or just kind of shut them out because there's a lot more of them than me. So we, we, this, the mind conceives of a group of people as an entity. And you get certain triggering effects of that on that nature. Again, partly because human society operates in terms of collectives. The school group, the family group, the work group. You know, whatever your grouping is, works in terms of those collective... That's how human beings survive, through forming collectives. So the collective formation, you know, this, this uh, program of collecting in groups is very potent for us. We want to normalize within the group. And we feel comfortable, accepted within the group. Okay within the group. Fine within the group. Then we feel okay, the group. Getting along with. 
and so on. And you realize for that, this means we imagine what the group is, or the group has a slogan or a banner or a campaign that you then have to fit into it in order to be part of the group. The group wears certain kind of clothes or go to certain kinds of places, therefore I do that so I'll fit in. The group go here, the group go, they buy this, they work at this, they operate at this pace, they listen to this music, I do the same thing. Therefore I'm okay in the group. I mean, uh, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, it's it's a construction. And something you can feel all kinds of pieces you're not okay with, you just override in order for the comfort of being in the group. So you start to anesthetize pieces of your experience that are not comfortable. Yeah. Or we can repudiate all groups. To hell with them. Non-conformist, I'm getting out of here, living on my own. As soon as I see a group, I start to say, I'm not going to do what they want me to do. Yeah. Whatever it is they want me to do, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be an independent, self-oriented person. And so we get these strong, probably differentiating tides of trying to bond to but not really able to do it, trying to get away from not being able to do that either. Because so <laughs> as always, we belong to these collective forms. And some of them are very big institutionalized forms called nations, of which considerable amount of what goes on one is not comfortable with at all. And yet you're stuck with it because of the uh, law and order thing. And you have to be in nations and societies and governed by governments you completely feel not at all happy with or comfortable with and yet you're there in that collective and notice tremendous dissonances occur that start to fragment our experience of group yeah. of collective not a collective born of harmony and negotiation and allowing each other space to be different and you're having certain broad themes in common. That is the that is the blessed group. Yeah, and ideally this is what Sangha means. It doesn't mean everybody's exactly the same karma. We're all different, and yet there can be enough broad recognition of similarities and also basically, as the Buddha himself said, you know, in Sangha life, there's bound to be is no is bound to be dissonance, disagreement. This is not a problem. It has to happen that way, and you can't solve it just by clinging to the rules. He also said that these are these are minor things. The most important thing is to enter into negotiation, listening, soothing, calming, harmony. And then this is this is definitely for the strength and welfare. So the sense of which relationship is right there at the core of our practice. Hmm? Because it has to be, because there is this arising within a field. This arising is called me, or appears to be me, arising within a field which it cannot separate itself from. As long as the arising of me within a field exists. There's no separation from that. As long as there's the arising of I am within a field of karma, there has to be constant, subtle, explicit, relational practices going on. 
It could be, you know, whatever they are, there has to be relationship within that as long as that pertains. Because you're actually using that to handle, moderate, soothe, steady, clarify, purify these aggregates of perception. You frighten me. Okay, let's just pause around that one. Fear is happening, and where's that? And how is that happening? You annoy me. How's that happening? What's happening? Touched, affected, and then that, that is heard, listened to, accepted, the fear and the anger disappear. Ah, we do come back to the sense of harmony because that quality has been held with mindfulness, not reacted to, no more sankaras added to it, no more me perceptions and feelings added to it, just it's the nature of us to feel frightened and irritated, as well as loving and caring and grateful. Those are sankaras, they operate and we hold that, open to that, soothe that, steady that. And in that relational field, these qualities can arise, pass on. The result is a sense of deep, undifferentiated harmony. Through directly handling the aggregates as they arise, as they are, and for this, what is, po- what is needed? Mm. Just for this level, to be a good self in this relational field. Well, I've mentioned once, mindfulness. But uh, whether it's essential or not, but it seems very, very important and helpful, is a sense of the somatic presence that can receive the impact of these energies, these tremblings, these rushes, these surges, can receive it and doesn't proliferate around it. Now you may call that awareness if you like. That's, I'm not going to make an issue out of that. There's room for, call it Herbert if you like. (laughs) Presence is a certain mm, unmoving, but not rot, not brick-like, something like a kind of a sponge that can receive something, hold it, soften, widen, and not bounce back, and not keep metallic or brittle. This is so. This actually, this is the key, isn't it, to how these aggregates can, without being castigated or criticized or worshipped how these aggregates can be allowed to be held so they're impermanent and nature can and selfless nature can be directly experienced directly experienced in one's self but not in one's identity self but in one's presence in one's directly felt presence experiencing that and the beauty of this is in this perfection, accomplishment of the kind of qualities that will support that, the honesty, the fearlessness, the trust, the mindfulness, 
and the embodied presence, we're finding a way in which we're coming beyond any definition because the receiving and the presence, it doesn't do anything. It's got no name or category or form. It's just citta beginning to strip down to a more primary nudity, nakedness, like not male, not female, not old, not young, not national, not any kind of, it's just that. Uh, What's that? This seems like a refuge, definitely a place to access a lot of the time. Therefore, I am now willing, interested in meeting perceptions, volitional formations and feelings. Pleasant would be nice, but I'll probably bring up for some unpleasant too, if need be. <laughs> I want to deal with ones that do not constantly favour me, myself, getting more and more engraved in this field. I want to have things that gently encourage that to open up from the narrowness of the me, mine, myself conundrum. This is called going forth. And going forth from personal disposition. As and certainly this is not a one shot. This is something we do every day, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, as in accordance with our capacities for presence, for mindfulness, for ability to handle and hold and process that which arises. And so it's a constant ongoing cultivation of, go, of going forth into that presence, into awareness, realizing in one's immediacy, in one's intimacy, this is where formations arise, express themselves, and cease. This is where sankharas arise, express themselves, and cease. This is where perceptions trigger, flurry, arise, express themselves, and, and cease. Oh, this is surely worthwhile. And also, it's not dependent upon time, place, situation, people, group. I'm a group sitting on my own, already a group. I'm already a group of stuff just when I sit here. There's a group of my past, my future, my hopes, my wishes, my memories, my, you know, internal voices quarrelling with each other. I'm already a conference already. Who needs who needs more company? <laughs> Got five committees in there. <laughs> so, you know, so in a way we're always practicing a group, but sometimes the group's called me. <laughs> and then, well, okay, that's where it is, let's do it there, you know. <laughs> and then then but naturally you try to sustain that model through its different presentations. Now it seems like other people. Now it seems like, you know, whatever it is, it's still perceived, 
felt, activating, built around sense data, occupying forms, uh, and potentially very sticky. <laughs> Therefore, let me not get let it, the stickiness of it be apprehended and released in this undifferentiated quality, presence, awareness. How is that? Holding in mindfulness, holding the arising of phenomena with mindfulness so that they will express themselves and move on. So this is in a way, this is the ground of the stream entra. One who is completely, you know, gone forth, you might say, completely taken that step or is definitely strongly inclining towards that step, making that step, you know, uh, it's there of that nature. When you approach it in this way, you can see in some ways it's a very pretty portable model. If you get the uh, foundational principles and you find that that access to what I find is really precious presence, to me that's got a strong somatic quality to it. Awareness means I'm, I'm open, my eyes are wide open to that, my heart is open to that. Yeah. And uh, then this is where these things can arise and cease. Now, why I mentioned the bodily sense and extending to the entire field of the body, with the physical body and even beyond that, to everything can be sensed in the subtle bodily sphere, the fine material realm. This too is not mine myself, but it's a very handy place to practice with rather than the more confusing uh, realm of the sense fields which are so running and so random. This is something I could actually ameliorate and steady and I can certainly receive through that and as you stabilize, steady that and it becomes your home base. You open your eyes, open your ears and let yourself be touched by things. Hmm? Don't, you know, it doesn't you will be, no doubt. <laughs> uh, and then, uh-huh. Now, of course, um, when we talk about this awareness of a Nietzsche arising and passing, then um, some people rather like the arising bit, the arising of the good stuff. Most people rather like the passing bit the ending of the confused, of the trouble, the passing of things. Nobody seems to retake really into account the bit in the middle, <laughs> which is <laughs> where it's moving through, but it's taking its time. And Or the bit in the middle that says, oh, I wish that hadn't arisen. Could I have something else instead? This means that the jitter uh, uh, is not, at that time, not strengthened, not uh, properly fulfilled. As when qualities arise, there will be a triggering. It's not neutral. This isn't just like watching, you know, ducks in a shooting gallery or something. This is not neutral. When it arises, you are touched. When you are touched, effects start happening. And then 
other things arise. Confusion, uncertainty, wavering, uh, self-questioning, am I okay, am I doing, is this right, is it wrong, am I got it right, am I, this is, this shouldn't be like this. That starts arising. Search for, search for finality and clarity and definition. And am I doing okay, arises. And I should be doing it another way. Or, I should be this, I should be that. I shouldn't be this, I should be that, arises. This is the why the this is what happens. Dependent upon differentiating consciousness. So simply speaking, when it touches the mind, the mind proliferates into what I was, what I should be, what somebody else is supposed to be, what I ought to have been by now what I never, surely I'm not, and it couldn't be happening to me, and what's gone wrong. Proliferating, and it proliferates in terms of a cascading mosaic of I ams. That flurry and trying to find the right one. There's proliferating papancha. These energies which are natural, the natural trembling of, of being touched, receiving impressions, which is a natural process, you're sensitive. Yeah. That can, when one is not understanding with wisdom, this is part of the process, this trembly, activated potential. This should also be held spaciously, mindfully, calmly, soothing. It's okay, feeling that way is okay, that's that. How is this in my body? Ripping, swirling, flushing, stiffening, sinking, soothing the entire body. We soothe that sankara, the mind follows it, if you train that way. If you don't follow, if it, because one realizes if one doesn't follow that, the likelihood is there will be, the mind will proliferate into very believable patterns and forms. In fact, they will be the patterns and forms that have defined your karmic footprint. This is the way that I am fundamentally happens. Let me be right, let, let me not be wrong. Let me be this, let me not be that. Let me be blamed, you know, unblamed, not having got it wrong. Let me be void of irritation, anger. Let me be peaceful and calm. Uh, let me not have fear and sorrow. Let me be strong and resolute. Mm. These kind of fundamental signals that we get fed as the proper person is never angry, never upset, totally confident, cheerful, bright, resilient, spacious, warm. No, they're not. The average person is angry, upset, frightened, guilty, <laughs> grief-ridden. <laughs> as far as I can see, that's the norm. 
we set up these kind of so- social models <laughs> of, the, of the normal person that nobody is. And they're, tr- they're designed to tell the truth. Now, the normal person is frightened, nervous, uh, uh, seeking comfort, um, agitated, uh, feels a lot of guilt, regret, sorrow, and... They have the space and the capacity and the warmth to release that. Because this is the one who is accomplished uh, in that. And then the, the passing can then be realized. Passing cannot be realized with proliferation. A big test for all of us is, is our <coughs> we, uh, the proliferation process. Now you can study it because you'll certainly get a readout on the dominant patterns that are, that are imprinted in your karmic footprint. The worrying person, the accusation type, the, you know, it's, she did that and they never did this and I always get that and I never have that and these kinds of things. Or the guilty person, oh, it's all some, something wrong, something wrong, so I've done something wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the craving person, well, if I get one of those, it'd be great. You know? Because these are not people, these are tendencies that we all have, and you begin to know, oh, these, are, these are the dominant tendencies of this jitter. Now it's presenting me with a nice little simplified photo kit. This is your life. <laughs> and you want more of this? <laughs> no. <laughs> then... You can't push it, you can't say, give me a new, you know, push that away. You have to say, this then has to be held, cared for, sympathized, held with right view, right understanding, this is not myself, held in this place where it doesn't proliferate, therefore it can be, move on. Place of non-proliferation, presence, awareness. I would suggest, certainly for myself, that's enormously backed up by the sense of the somatic body because the somatic presence doesn't proliferate. It cannot. It can experience, you know, resonances, but it doesn't make, doesn't generate some self out of it. It just, you know, flurries and sinks and lurches and it kind of, if you cultivate it, it can discharge those and then here we are. What was all that about? But one, in some ways, it's the, between the two because we do want to know what, it, what all that was about. It's not just a matter of letting it all pass. It's a matter also there's something to be learned in this because what you learn in the patterns of your proliferation, what you learn about that will tell you. And nobody else is telling you. They're telling you these are the kind of things that you'll be playing out in your life. These are the core, this is your footprint. These are the kind of things you'll be playing out in the way that you live with others, the way that you see your life. Those, these are the patterns and tendencies that will be directing you. So now, having seen this, and having seen this is not myself, this is changeable, this is subject to cessation, why don't you try and live a bit more like that? So this is where this integration of our mode of being can be informed so that we are going in one direction with meditation, 
and in daily life we're going in one direction yeah? and we are accomplished in self and also experiencing the cessation of self and the two are not contradictory because it all refers to not that the aggregates themselves are destroyed but the sticking is removed so there can be a time when those aggregates are relinquished and a time when they arise and uh, have purpose in our lives through one thing removal of craving removal of clinging stilling of sankaras dispassion relinquishing of acquisitions ceasing nibbana to be realized in oneself.